Hello, and welcome to the Raw Thoughts Podcast. In this episode, I have a very special guest, my old friend, Hannah Gray. She's a Montessori teacher, so we get into all things Montessori, as well as touching on topics like mental health, gentle parenting, and of course, sharing all of our raw thoughts along the way. I want to give a huge shout out to Hannah for being such an amazing guest and helping me have such an insightful conversation. I really, really enjoyed recording this one, and I know that you'll enjoy listening to it. I hope that you're having a great start to your week, and I'll see you next week. Hi there. Hi. Hey. <sighs> Got it working. I'm so excited to be here. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. Oh my goodness. Wow. I love it. I am so excited to learn about Montessori from the best Montessori teacher ever. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you're too sweet. Um, I'm really excited. Like, I going into this. My boyfriend laughed at me because I was like studying like, oh, my textbooks, like, what should I say about Montessori? And, <laughs> oh, my gosh, I got to make sure that, you know, I'm giving people like credible information here. Um, and I reminded myself, he reminded me, it's raw thoughts, like, calm down, Hannah, like, you, you got this, you know, like, we're gonna engage in conversation and um, talk about our thoughts poignantly and as they happen. So it's it's kind of scary for me, but it, I, I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's same here. I was like, what question should I ask her? And then I'm like, oh, it's raw thoughts. Oh. I got it. <laughs> oh, that makes me feel so much better. Okay. <laughs> yes. So we're in it together. <laughs> no <Okay>. worries. <laughs> okay. um, but yeah, the first question I wanted to ask you was kind of like, for the listeners and like I guess for me like how mm -hmm. well, how would you describe Montessori like what is Montessori just in your own words you know yeah yeah I mean I guess I've only worked in Montessori you know for now a year and I can just safely say that from my own observation and my own immersion as a registered early childhood educator working in a classroom that is inclusive of the Montessori approach, I would say mainly what I take away from it is that its approach mainly follows the child's way of how they learn. So the primary goal, I would say, would be for a Montessori program to help each individual child meet them where they're at in their abilities and their capabilities and address them individually one-on-one -on -one and as a group together doing collaborative activities but also more one-on-one -on -one looking at their learning and rather than in a you know normal school setting you know where you'd see everybody in the class together in different streams academic applied learning life skills and segregated by capabilities abilities what they can and cannot learn how well they can learn it etc etc yeah hmm. yeah that's really mm -hmm. cool so it's kind of more of like a a child-led learning in that way mm -hmm. of like you know you're kind of catering to each child's strengths and weaknesses rather than kind of funneling everyone into one thing which I really mm -hmm. appreciate mm -hmm. nice mm -hmm. I love that yeah so yeah too. so you've been working for a year as a Montessori teacher but like what made you want to get into that so I watched this documentary and I think everybody should watch it. I literally, I saw it at the library where um, I live in Markham and I was just like, oh, that looks interesting. And it's this Montessori um, documentary called Let the Child Be the Guide, I'm pretty sure. And it, it basically follows this classroom in one of the oldest French Montessori schools in France. And it's all basically about that school year and what happens in this classroom of children aged, you know, like three to five, what they do because, and I found that so powerful because I work with children in particular 
um, that are very small. They're very tiny. They're tiny little humans and they're only aged one to two and a half, the ones I'm working with. And to kind of, you don't really see that represented. When you think of school, you kind of think of like older kids and elementary school kids. And I think the early years just goes a lot like unrecognized and just under seen. Um, so to really see like that approach and also that age um, in a documentary, I thought, wow, that's pretty cool. Um, and I wanted to learn more about what is this philosophy of education? What does this method do? What is it? And they, it was so beautiful. The classroom and the way they prepared the environment was so aesthetically pleasing, but it also made me as an adult want to stay there and like want to work there and just simply be with those children and help them learn and just be a human in their own right. Like I, I, yeah, like when I think about that, that documentary, I just, I, I almost get like an emotional reaction. It's like, I probably should buy it, honestly. But um, <laughs> that was really what led me to be like, okay, um, you know, like, where are these Montessori schools? Are there any nearby to where I am? And luckily, I found one literally three minutes away from where I'm living and applied and um, luckily got in. So that's, that's how that happened. And um, always visit your local library kids can't say that enough <laughs> um, yeah that's actually funny places. my yeah. yeah my aunt actually works for the markham library so does she really oh my gosh get out yeah wow. maybe you've seen her around but <laughs> wow that's that's such a cool synchronicity i'll have to often ask around <laughs> yeah well her name's cheryl so Okay. Sherilyn Alfonso, but yeah. Okay. A lot of people call her Cher, so. Cher, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah, that's so cool. Like, it's so cool that that, that touched you. It makes me really want to watch it now. Um, and my extent of, like, knowledge about Montessori just comes from, like, Instagram mm -hmm. and TikTok and, like, all of those mm -hmm. things. Not really seeing it in schools much, but more like parents who kind of try to adopt that like Montessori principles into their home. Um, and one of the things I really liked is how it's like very inclusive of like, well, first of all, trying to give kids independence um, mm -hmm. in like getting their own water and like having their own place to get snacks and making child sized furniture and stuff like that. Like, I find that mm -hmm. that's really cool because. I also like how they, mm -hmm. you know, usually refer to them as little humans because they really are little humans. And exactly. Yeah. Yes. And it would be tough to live in a world that's not catered to you, you know? Like, mm -hmm. yeah. Right. That's, that's a really poignant thought. Like, literally, you know, changing our perception as an adult and re-envisioning what was it like when I was a kid? Like, there have been so many times, like, when I've been at work and I see a kid going through something and I'm like, like they don't even have to be in my class. I could be just in the hallway, for example, and I see a kid crying while they're waiting for their parent to pick them up. And I like have a flashback instantly to when I was around their age and I was like waiting for my parents and they were late to pick me up from ballet and they're crying. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I, I imagine, I know how she feels. And like being that adult that you wish that you were and, and understanding how they're feeling from their perception and just and helping them through it. And also like, Oh, just just seeing things from their perspective is a huge part of Montessori education. It's all about how Maria Montessori, who um, she's, you know, the doctor that came up with this methodology in the 19 early 1900s. And she still, you know, lives around today and all around the world. There's Montessori schools and it's universal way of understanding children and really respecting the rights of the child. You're so, you're so right. Like, oh my gosh. Oh. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's really cool. And, and I think I always, you know, I, I also see a lot of gentle parenting stuff and things like that. And it, mm -hmm. and it is all about like understanding that children never are trying to like man manipulate you. I've seen that a lot where people think that children are being manipulative or misbehaving oh, yeah. for no reason, just to make you. Mm -hmm. you know angry or something and it's like I always mm -hmm. see that in every behavior underlying yeah. that is a need and yeah. 
we're just all looking for our needs to get met and children just don't haven't developed the ways to to ask for that i mean even adults haven't developed the ways to ask for that exactly but I think we expect a lot from you know little mm-hmm. tiny humans who are just trying to adjust to living in the mm-hmm. world exactly and like a lot of the times like even myself like when i get stressed at work and i've got like five kids crying at once and i can't calm them all down quickly enough i'll get stressed and i have to remind myself that their brains are literally growing and they don't have the ability in their brain yet like the neurons are still connecting and they haven't developed their prefrontal cortex enough to be able to self-regulate themselves they can't they can't they're, they're crying and that's the only way they know right now with the tools that they have to express the need that isn't being met right now and for me to reframe their behavior as it's not because they're trying to make me stressed even though I feel that way and it's okay for me to feel that way it's it's about you know seeing children for where they're at in their development reminding yourself that they are a tiny human and you know like like you would you would want to be treated any way that you would want to treat anyone else and i probably didn't say that with (laughs) the right way that i was supposed to i have this weird habit of saying things the opposite way i intended so if i keep doing that during this episode you might need to edit it (laughs) oh it sounds fine so far it all sounds good to me oh Um, okay thank you (laughs) but yeah no i i i actually Um, i wish that i knew the name of the like instagram account that i found but they kind of do these skits i yeah i'll I'll try to send a few but they there's one they do these skits and they do like if we talk to adults the way we talk to children and it just really opens your eyes to like wait we would never talk to an adult that way why are we talking to a child that way it's so disrespectful wow Wow. oh my goodness that's so cool i feel like oh my goodness i feel like i'll yeah, I gotta see that. Please send me that, and I'll send you the link to the documentary too. Like, cause, oh, it's those little things that you sometimes you just don't even notice that you've done that, maybe, or you've heard somebody else say it, or maybe it happened in your own childhood, and then you revisit it, and you're like, whoa, wait, what? That happened? Yeah, that wasn't okay. <laughs> oh I know my, my biggest pet peeve is when I see like parents, and I know like you know every parent is trying their mm. best and meaning their best. Yeah, like, obviously. Yeah. When I see yeah. them say like don't cry or you're okay and it's like but <laughs> they're not feeling okay in the moment and that would be really confusing yeah because they're trying to label and yeah. understand their own emotions and then also just saying don't cry it's like mm-hmm. i don't know i i know it's just like a cultural like a thing yeah. that we've heard throughout time but it's just so like damaging in ways yeah. that i don't think we really understand you know i know and there's a power in having a diverse you know um bunch of people working in schools like i i've seen that more now that i'm working at this montessori school so before where i was working um in child cares that didn't really follow montessori they were more reggio amelia based which is just play-based learning they're not really structured like montessori um but they they were mostly you know my colleagues were caucasian um um and that's mostly really all that you saw represented there but at the one uh, one Montessori school that I'm working at currently we have like you know all different cultures represented um among my colleagues and I working there so not only are you know they're and and that's also reflected by the children that go to our school so we've got different languages dual language learner students in my class and um you know we all speak english and they have french lessons every week but we're also speaking with families on a constant basis and understanding what language they speak at home primarily and learning a couple words in there that are useful for when they're with us during the day and when we see them you know go home we can say a word or two to sort of tell the parent like we know a word in your language isn't that cool and they get a chuff out of that but it's it's really really important i've learned through my practice so far as early days as it is that having that diversity really really influences the child to be able to see like hey you know i'm not isolated at home and knowing you know what the cultural preferences are that are happening and how you're being raised at home it can also be a different way here and that's okay too you know 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really cool. Especially because Markham is so diverse that I feel like oh, it it's nice yeah. that it's represented, you know? Yeah, it's a melting pot. I didn't actually realize it, but I, I am now. Holy moly, it is. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you know, diversity is so important because we can really get in a in a little like echo chamber bubble um mm-hmm. and it's nice to just have those different cultures to kind of mm-hmm. i feel like it would you know it's going to create more accepting human beings in the long run mm-hmm. so yeah it's, i agree it's really important. yeah definitely culture is a huge part of you know montessori environment and just stimulating that interest and that knowledge about learning about other cultures like we'll celebrate different holidays that are you know different like holly and um you know chinese new year and there's all like different ones that represented in the students classrooms and they can all participate and learn about each other's different cultures and I mean, even as small as the students are in my class, you know, they're age one to two and a half, like they can still appreciate and recognize those, you know, colors. And for Chinese New Year, like I found like (laughs) um, a shirt that's like made out of silk and it's like red and gold and has dragons on it because I went to um, downtown Chinatown with my boyfriend to find it at one of their shops down there. And literally, I can't fit into any of those dresses because they're so... Like, the sizing is not very good there. Like, it's all so, so, small. so small. Yeah. Yeah. So, literally, I'm like, okay, this isn't going to work. So, I got a men's shirt. And I'm like, okay, at least that's something. But it, 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 and even though I kind of felt like, oh, okay, it doesn't really look, I'm wearing a man's outfit. It's not really, like, a woman. Like, the kids, like, some of the kids that have that family background, they're Cantonese or the Mandarin, they saw that and they were, like, pointing to my shirt. And they're like, wow, you know, like. And that made me feel good. Like it's it's really nice to see them enjoying another person also enjoying their culture, even if you don't know much about it or you're still learning and then the parents can get involved too and also celebrate it with you. It's it's really sweet. And um, I, I really, really admire that about Montessori education is it, it really prioritizes celebrating diversity that way. Hmm. Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, I can imagine as a kid, it is really powerful to see your culture being represented um, in someone mm-hmm. outside of your culture. Yeah. Because there can be a lot of shame around like being different, you know, or oh, just not yeah. being like the norm, whatever the mm-hmm. norm is. <laughs> whatever the you norm know? is. Does anybody yeah. ever know? Yeah. Mm, yeah. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. I, I wanted to come back to the, you know, you're saying like, basically you know when you're working with one to two year olds which i can only imagine can be you know pros and cons but um they don't have the prefrontal cortex developed yet to regulate their own emotions and to express things and all these things and one of the most powerful things that i kind of learned in my small little research about gentle parenting in montessori is that the Mm -hmm. best way to help you know little humans regulate themselves is for you to Mm -hmm. actually regulate yourself and you know it's so much more powerful to say to instead of say oh take a deep breath when you're feeling stressed for you to actually take a deep breath because you're probably getting stressed when they're stressed out absolutely you know oh my gosh I'm like literally I've gone back to like moments in my brain where I remember like modeling that for the children in my care and it's it's a constant evolving thing because sometimes when you do it they don't they're so caught up in their own intense emotion that they don't see you doing that and they don't get it right away i mean i'm some of the children in my care have special needs and they're not diagnosed yet and i can't diagnose them but i can definitely you know speak in consultation with their family about saying hey i think maybe potentially this child is showing symptoms of adhd you might want to contact your pediatrician and get that checked out blah 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 but honestly like seeing when children do uh notice you modeling that behavior and you know labeling what that emotion is that you feel and 
everyday games and routines that are fun when they feel calm and ready to learn really do help them to be able to develop that memory and that cognition and that awareness of what it is that they're connecting together to form that connection of oh this is what we're learning this is what it means to say i feel angry right now or i feel sad or i feel frustrated and literally like i i you know told the children when you know i feel frustrated too that you're feeling frustrated like i can feel an emotion when i see you're feeling an emotion too and it can feel the same it can feel a little less intense it can feel more intense but it also like when I see them getting stressed out with something that I know that they they are they can do and they're capable of doing, but they're frustrated with that, like, I can't put the puzzle piece in yet. And it's the last one. And I know I can do it. And I, it's taking too long. And I'm getting frustrated. I'm going to cry and scream. And I'm frustrated with them, too. And, you know, I show them like I just go, ah, you know, <laughs> like, mm -hmm. oh, I'm so frustrated, too. You can do it. Oh, my goodness. Let's just shake our hands and our heads. It's so frustrating. And they they kind of take a pause and they look at me and then they kind of giggle a little bit. And that brings them <laughs> back out of it because they're seeing it and it's happening with them and they don't feel alone in their emotion anymore. And that's a really powerful tool to use because then in turn, I've seen the children do this among their peers. And that's mm -hmm. the amazing thing is literally, you know, a huge part of Montessori education is sitting on your hands, always not trying to get too much in between the children and teach them hands over hands, what they're supposed to do, how they're supposed to do it. And that I love that. It's challenging though, because Sometimes I do want to just, oh, I'll help you. I'll do up your zipper for you. Oh, you're so cute. Oh, oh, oh. No, 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 no. Like literally start the zipper for them and then back away and let them figure it out mm -hmm. no matter how long it takes. But, oh my goodness. When you see the kids modeling those behaviors, it's the sweetest thing ever. Oh my goodness. Like I've seen children that first came to my classroom and were a pandemic baby and had no, you know, at all any interaction other than with their main caregivers their parents then they're fully boom immersed in a classroom with eight other children around their age a teacher they don't know and they scream and they scream and they cry and they cry and they just have to stand still in the same spot for about an hour until they observe and quietly see like a new citizen in a new country what are the customs what are the ways in this classroom that i've now found myself in and for me to sit beside them and rub their back or rub the front of their chest and tell them to take a deep breath and breathe deeply in with them and mimic the sounds and the screeches they're making, they start to feel like they're not alone. There's someone here that hears them, that sees them. And ultimately at the end of the day, they, when they feel seen and heard, these, these children, they will take that and they will grow that empathy for others. And I've seen them do it to each other when they see a new kid coming into the classroom and now they're the older kid. They do that. They sit beside the other child and they rub their back and they say, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Like they develop that language and that empathy and it's amazing. That's what makes me keep wanting to work at this job every day, even though it's tiring and as low wage as it is, it's amazing to see that development occur and to celebrate it with the families when it does happen. Oh, that's so sweet. That literally made me tear up just like hearing. Oh like, my gosh. <laughs> oh, you're going to make me cry now oh, too. I'm getting emotional here, y'all. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh gosh. No, literally. Because like, it is oh, just so sweet to see when you model something. I mean, I've worked as a nanny too. And it yes, is just very rewarding know. to see that. Yeah, you know, um, right? Oh, gosh. Yeah, it's, it's really beautiful, you know, and yeah. just leading with empathy and understanding mm -hmm. and validating mm -hmm. their emotions, you know. Yeah, it's, it's all that powerful. good stuff. It's very mm -hmm. powerful, so powerful, and it's all that good energy that you want, you know. You just, you go through moments in your day where you do have to deal with these strong emotions, and sometimes you're hungry and you're tired and it isn't time for your lunch break yet and you sometimes snap the kids and you just say I I can't I can't help you right now and that can be part of your day too it can be very opposite to that huge feeling of positivity and emotion of empathy but at the end of the day 
it's it's really worth it and worthwhile to see their transformation occur in a year how much the children grow and develop is truly truly amazing yeah and you know like you said there's always going to be highs and lows but mm -hmm. i you know i can't quote exactly the study but basically when they they look at like secure parenting and creating like a securely attached Mm -hmm. child it's really responding to their needs like 80% of the time yeah. and then the 20% of the time that you can't like trying to repair after that so it's not like you have yeah. to be perfect to create oh, those secure bonds and I think that's, that's what yeah and I think that's a lot of parents get stressed about that but I think that also making mistakes is necessary because then when you repair and say oh I'm sorry I couldn't be there for you mm -hmm. or I'm sorry that I you know snapped at you there I should have you know spoken differently I should have taken a breath mm -hmm. and I should have um, calmed down mm -hmm. you know then that actually models to them oh how to repair after something like that happens if they do that to somebody else you know if you never make those mistakes then they're never learning that as well i wouldn't even call them mistakes you know yeah um just being wow. a human being so mm -hmm. i think that you know a lot of parents get stressed about that and caregivers and stuff and it's like no like it's okay you don't have to be perfect 100 percent of the time you know yeah oh, wow that's a really powerful approach like what you just described like an adult saying sorry to a child i feel like that never happens like i i okay that's coming from my limited like scope of what i've seen but literally i because i've done that with some of the children in my care i don't do that enough though i need to work more on that like apologizing for when you feel like you've let them down for something and you know it's it's okay to say sorry and it's okay to not maybe always do everything perfectly um, but as long as you say sorry and then you come back the next day and you try and do what it is that you maybe didn't do the first time, then it's okay again. Like, that's so powerful. I feel like not many, not majority of caregivers or anybody, whether it be parents or teachers, whoever's caring for the child would do that or think of that necessarily. Wow. I mean, that goes yeah. back again to like how you view the child and the rights of the child and everything that we were talking about before. But, yeah wow. yeah no it's really not common like I, I you know there's a lot of times growing up where my parents let me down or snapped at me mm -hmm. or you know just mm -hmm. you know, obviously they're being human too like I don't blame them oh, but yeah, like absolutely. to have Same that repair here. would have been mm -hmm. so powerful and I did that a couple times you know when I was a nanny and like you know mm -hmm. you sometimes do lose your cool like you're in a job you're you yeah. know stress yeah. you're hungry or yeah. whatever yeah and having to return back and be like hey you know i'm sorry for the way that i that i spoke earlier it's like mm -hmm. it's hard it's really hard to do it <laughs> it um, is it is because it takes that moment for you to self-regulate yourself and to be able to verbalize what you know in the moment that you should be saying to make it better but at the same time you still don't have your needs met so you're still feeling you know unbalanced and unregulated because at the end of the day we all have special needs we all have needs that we need to fulfill and whatever those may be if they don't happen in the routine way that we normally would want them to be able to feel happy and calm and ready to learn then we are going to have challenge vocalizing and self-regulating to others that hey i'm I'm in this moment and it's going to take me a little bit like, like that's why there's terms like hangry out there. Like when I get hangry, you don't want to be around me. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. No. And it's, it's obviously good to practice like with other adults too, but that's why I think like working with children can be so rewarding because it makes you kind of like view humanity mm -hmm. in a different way. Like yeah. you start just being more empathetic and then being able to kind of like, see in an adult when they are like mm -hmm. almost the child version of themselves and maybe triggered um yes oh my gosh that's yeah. so that's yes I feel like I do that too oh my gosh I like literally you're putting into words things that I feel <laughs> like I've been doing unconsciously but I literally didn't even notice what I was doing and it's probably like stemming from work like working in education or being like a nanny or anything where you have a role as a caregiver it, 
it really does increase your empathy around you. Like I, I will like literally walk down the neighborhood and I'll think like, oh, you know, like, oh, that man, like he looks like he's having trouble shoveling the snow. Um, I wonder if I could like lend him my snow shovel or whatever. And like just chatting with people briefly, like just socializing a little more because I'm, I'm not a social person. I'm a hermit. I like to just stay home. I don't like to go out and having a group of friends and hanging out with them would stress me out more like one-on-one -on -one kind of person relationships or just by myself so the fact that I can actually really empathize more with strangers or people in my just daily interactions with that's that's wow that's that's a big epiphany yeah. for me today <laughs> thank you <laughs> yeah no that yeah. is amazing and I, I feel that's like when so you're cool. able to empathize more with people around you you're kind of able to like it, it makes you happier because the world seems like a bit of a safer place and you can kind of, you know, not feel like everyone's dangerous and all that stuff. And I get that too. Like I also have social anxiety and I, I also kind of struggle sometimes with like bigger group socializing yeah. and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, but working in retail has also kind of just broken yeah, that down. Wow. It's like, nope. <laughs> wow good for you because seriously <laughs> i've had so much anxiety like i always wanted to work at um le chateau but then like it's gone now it's not even a brand anymore but literally i always had dreams of like oh i will work in retail i'll be like that trendy girl that's like all chatty and helps the girls find their prom dresses it never happened because i was always afraid of like just just socially meeting people and like I don't know, just not knowing how to operate the cash register and just, just thinking and sort of catastrophizing these moments that didn't even happen yet and never did it. So props to you. Like, that's really cool that you're doing that because I, I still get moments where I'm like, oh, I'm glad I'm in, in my classroom around kids. I don't have to talk to anyone. <laughs> oh, totally. Um, yeah. Except for the kids. But yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's it's like exposure therapy. I feel like it's, you know, I, I just have to interact with people. That happened when yeah. I was waitressing too. Kind of got oh, me out yeah. of my shell. Wow. Good for you. Like that was again, something I wanted to do. It never did. I did like one thing at Hutchison house <laughs> when I was a little girl. Oh, I love that. Wait, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just serving like lemonade. I would like recite in the bathroom, like lemonade. Do you want lemonade? Do you want ice tea? What are the options? Oh, <laughs> That's so sweet. Before oh my I gosh. go and ask the old ladies, like, would you like lemonade, iced tea, and oh my god, I forgot the other one, water with your scones. <laughs> <laughs> I love oh. that. The like, they had like the peach one. They had like a peach tea and like a yeah. like you know, and they would serve like fresh peaches with the oh scones. Oh, so good. God. Oh, it was and the clotted cream and like the selections of jams. Oh, take me back. The oat cakes. Damn. Okay. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah. it's, it's like when I, let's say I get like a customer that comes in and they're really mm -hmm. upset mm -hmm. about something mm -hmm. and I find, and I'm thinking this is kind of an over, like an overreaction to what yeah. is happening. Right. Oh, I God. do see that like, Oh, this is probably their like, five-year-old self or their 10-year-old self who <gasps> never so really smart. like learned to regulate their emotions beyond that point and so that's where um, they go when they start feeling that emotion they wow. are just back at that age and I also find it helps me personally when I am feeling triggered to to mm. ask myself what age do I feel right now because I'm not <gasps> feeling like my adult self you know wow that's so cool okay my mind is just blown right now that's so <laughs> cool wow I've that really okay I'm gonna ask myself that question now too that's really cool because yeah. like when you get triggered by something when you have like a really like instant reaction to liking something or disliking something all the things we try and learn about children when we're caring for them what is that for you and why is it like what age is that correlating with that's so interesting and then like if you figure that out and you target to a certain age and you say oh 
you know, I'm getting triggered because that reminds me of like what Tommy did in grade nine or something, you know, what comment they made about me that I heard or so I don't know, like anything like that you think is influencing why you perceive people to be a certain way or why you interact with people a certain way. That can be like a key, I guess, to maybe like even understanding not only your own behavior and your own like reasoning for why you feel emotions about certain events that happen to you. Like that's so interesting. That's so yeah. interesting. Wow. It's really cool. Like, and I feel yeah. like because we forget that like all these versions of ourselves, all of these ages mm -hmm. still live within us. Like it, we're not just our adult wow. self. We also are at the same time, our five-year-old self, our 10-year-old self, our 15-year-old wow. self. Um, and they come yeah. out at different times. And obviously it's not all bad. Like sometimes when we're really enjoying yeah. something and we're being playful, like that's, yeah. you know, that is this younger part of ourselves coming out. But like, yeah. It just takes you a little bit out of the moment of like, oh, I am not my adult self right now. So what part of me is being triggered? You know, what's going on? And it helps you kind of like step back. I, I know my therapist always says like, imagine mm -hmm. you're, you're a drone and you're zooming out from the situation and looking at it rather than like being in it. <gasps> That's kinda, so cool. Yeah. Wow, to get that like bird's eye, literally bird's eye perspective, an aerial view of what is happening and what's the bigger picture here like yeah there's as many people on the earth as there are stars in the sky so you can't really you know do too bad if you look at it from that perspective like really does that emotion matter as much as it feels right now or is it just a learning curve to the next greater thing yeah exactly yeah because i feel like that's when we get triggered it's we're so in the moment and you know mm -hmm. it's kind of nice to take a step back and be like okay if i was i was observing this from the outside like wow. how would this look you know um I'm like but obviously even wow. though i know that it's so <laughs> i don't do it all the time but you know <laughs> you know it's a learning yeah. process right <laughs> ongoing evolution of ourselves i liked that you said like there's a different version of us like <laughs> sunny 2.0 sunny 2.1 like yeah. living within you and it's like okay you're a video game character and your avatar is just sitting there and then you can like change your outfit you can change the version of yourself and go back to when you felt a certain way at a certain age and again that's not bad that's just showing that you know maybe that you're revisiting something that you already learned or maybe you need to learn again or you're still trying to understand about yourself so there's another opportunity to work on that like that's so refreshing to understand that about you know yourself and apply it to your own life or to the people that you live with that you care about and how your interactions you know affect them and they in turn you that's so interesting yeah absolutely yeah i love little tidbits like that i feel like it really Mm -hmm. really helps deal with the everyday stuff you know it would have been nice to learn this in school honestly i think back because i'm working in the field of education now to how like some of the teachers i had or some of the ways that the education and the curriculum was set up was really limiting in its way of like it didn't really teach us something meaningful or and then i'll think well that's quite negative like i should try and look at a positive way of thinking about that because maybe the fact that it was so negative and i didn't like the way i was taught made me wonder well what are the other ways of being taught oh there's montessori because I, I literally when i was studying for this interview i took out this like three page stapled yellow papered um, school notebook thing where I wrote quotations from Maria Montessori because when I was around like 15 years old I was I was interested in like what are the other methods of education Why, where are those private rich schools what, what are those kids doing that like they pay for the education and some Montessori is really elitist and like they have the uniforms and all that stuff the Montessori school I'm working at actively doesn't do that because um, I personally, as my values and belief align more with 
um, edu Montessori education is for everybody. It shouldn't be this elitist, you know, school uniform thing. And there's all these things to make you seem like you're really, really cool. Like that doesn't matter in education. What matters is that children are being taught within that philosophy that values them as active citizens of that world. It doesn't matter about the fringe things. And you know like just looking at this paper i'm like oh i was interested in this back in that old version of me but the me now is just starting to really apply it in my practice in my work every day that's really cool i didn't actually think about that mm -hmm. or connect that until you said that about the versions of ourselves that's yeah, really cool that's so true yeah yeah and so um i like from what i've heard like if you like go to like you know there's so many montessori schools out there but like they don't necessarily all follow the exact thing like montessori is more of like an mm -hmm. umbrella term and they don't it's not like they're following an exact mm -hmm. curriculum mm -hmm. is that true that is true so if you say you were a parent and you were wanting to find a montessori school there's tons of them in markham you would have to be looking for um you know schools that would be open to giving you tours when during working hours because you want to see you know what are the children actually doing are they actually doing montessori curriculum or are they doing uh you know worksheets at tables and such not really doing hands-on activities using um you know puzzles on mats you'd want to see them work children working on the floor children working on the tables you'd want to see children having a freedom of moving around the classroom and not being told to sit in certain places you'd want to see these things and you'd also want to check that they're a licensed childcare or montessori accredited school and that they have all those licensing requirements because there are schools that preach you know oh we are the montessori method and they're you know they say they are but really they're it's more of an inspired um affiliation with montessori curriculum so definitely if you are a parent you'd want to make sure of that and definitely you know don't just go to one school and say oh that's it i'm done visit quite a few more to see really what you've got available around you to where you're living because there are lots of options to choose from and some are drastically more expensive than others <laughs> um, yeah so I would definitely recommend um doing that <laughs> all right yeah oh, yeah gosh. that makes sense yeah kind of no get the like, vibe. some are very expensive oh my goodness <laughs> and it goes back oh, to that yeah. private elitist thing like i can't if i had a child i couldn't send my child let alone two other children like there like that's ridiculous and in a perfect world education i would hope would be you know universally accessible and not cost anything at all but if you are looking for a montessori method usually you you are paying a bit more obviously you're paying to go send your child there but i would say that it is worth it if it is an actual genuine accredited montessori school it is mm -hmm. worth it so i would i would recommend that yeah 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 that makes sense but kind of yeah do your own research and stuff like mm -hmm. that like, you never know yeah yeah you never know and testimonials of other people um always help but one person's experience can be very different from another so not relying solely on those but genuinely do shop around for it and do take into consideration you know still listening to what other people have to say yeah absolutely yeah yeah and so you mentioned this before but so another one of the kind of the principles is that um mm -hmm like you said, as much as possible to try not to like correct a child, like to let them kind of not struggle, that sounds cruel, but mm -hmm. to let them mm -hmm. kind of go through the process of figuring something out rather mm -hmm. than just like correcting them. Oh, yeah. So do you, you do practice that? Yeah. And it's really hard because there's no one responsible for doing that other than yourself. So you have to really be engaged in an ongoing period of self-reflection and um, be really self-aware of what you're saying and what you're doing when you're interacting with the children when they're at work so for example 
um, if I was working with a child, say, with a water sensorial activity. So one activity I set up on a tray on the shelf in the classroom for them is they have a pitcher of water and a little cup and they have to practice pouring the water from the pitcher simply into the little cup and you think oh that's quite easy but for children of this age that is a huge really good learning activity for developing their we call it fine motor skills for all the little muscles in their hands and fingers they'll need to eventually hold a pencil and also developing their you know their dual coordination using both hands at the same time to do different actions and their concentration skills so when they do this activity um you know reminding them verbally to put it away when they're done with it before they begin is usually great you know that's not sidestepping too much but observing them simply while they do it in a way that is not too close to them like you're a helicopter parent hovering over them like that can be quite overwhelming i remember when i was in school it was so overwhelming to have your teacher like come over you and like check your work and you felt like you hadn't done anything right just simply by them being too close to you so maintaining proper distance is key and ensuring that the child is not only respected but the process of their work and how it goes is respected and then also making sure that you just simply watch what they do or maybe what they say and you keep mental note for that later you can write it down in a sticky note in your pocket to keep it later save it prepare teacher interviews whatever and then literally if they say they spill water and they you can tell they're struggling and oh my goodness like I really just want to reach in and help them just not saying anything but silently going over to them and usually I'll have like another copy of that activity nearby like in front of them for me to use and then like just silently modeling the action or mm -hmm. at least first if they're more verbal learner than just saying exactly like what I'm doing, pouring, and then after that, not saying anything verbally and just continuing to mimic the motion that you would eventually want them to do fluidly without too much hassle. So really keeping in, in turn like that all their senses around what they're engaging in, what skill they're trying to learn are being respected and you know, I, I, I really like find that so incredibly encouraging, you know, because it really goes back to, again, respecting them as a tiny human. And when we're working, you know, we want to have our own space feel the way we do. And we don't want anyone coming in and just, you know, doing this and that that they think is right because they're bigger than us or something. So it really does make all the difference for their well-being and for eventually yours when you feel like, wow, I did that. I did that. That's great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 I feel like, you know, we don't see kids, you know, when they're doing these things, like it might seem simple to us, but they really are concentrating and trying their best mm -hmm. and to have someone constantly just reaching mm -hmm. in and correcting mm -hmm. or just, you know, spitting instructions at you would would be very you know distracting yeah. yeah yeah like I have so many memories of like just some teachers and um like they would just like even not even like verbally but non-verbally they wouldn't say anything and then you would you know say that you need help and then they just do it for you without saying anything without explaining what they're doing they just and it's very intimidating and I feel like that like feeling of being singled out and that dread of oh no I'm stupid I don't know how to do it I feel so bad about myself and not getting any reassurance from them what all like not even eye contact with them they just move on to like whatever else they're gonna do like it doesn't help you because kids are kids are so not fragile but they're still growing and so therefore they observe observe and absorb everything around them like a sponge and when they do that that can also impact how they continue to think about themselves and their positive self-concept about themselves and so if they're absorbing those things around them they're gonna still feel that about themselves without it really being resolved until later when they eventually maybe talk about it like i am now and um maybe just actively trying to label well that wasn't right and see it for what it is later on but it does stay with you and it, it carries forth in different ways yeah, absolutely. I, I heard somewhere as well that like, when you are young, you don't have the cognitive abilities to kind of 
do what we were talking about like when someone else is in a bad mood or whatever just kind of be mm-hmm. like oh well what's going on in their life or they must mm-hmm. be triggered they must be thinking about this part of themselves so when we get negative feedback from our parents or from teachers it instantly goes to oh it must be because i'm bad mm-hmm. i'm a bad yeah. kid or i'm a bad person yeah. um and it's hard because they they don't have that ability and that's why it is so important to be mm-hmm. empathetic and to apologize and all these things because mm. they don't have that ability yet to just be like oh it's yeah. not personal my teacher's just having a bad day or whatever you know exactly and like they i think i read somewhere too that like they say the the well at least the impulse control is never fully formed in our brain until the age of 25 like oh my goodness wow. omg like our brain is just finally fully all done developing and they say that like you know, more than half percent of the brain development happens in those early years from ages one to five. So those are the crucial years to understand and, you know, empathize with children when they when they do feel those strong feelings towards what's happening in their environment, it will turn inward onto them and they don't understand and having that caring, empathetic, you know, caregiver or whoever it is next to them showing them that it isn't and talking them through it or you know calming them down and consoling them through just simple like touch that is so helpful for them being able to self-regulate and feel better about themselves and develop that self you know concept about themselves that is positive and not negative or conflictory um and it helps them to grow like you know faster better well not better but just to grow in ways that maybe would take them longer too if they hadn't had it yeah be more secure and and be able to kind of maintain more secure relationships as they grow up Mm -hmm. you know i just think about i mean it's it's still going on but like how doctors for many years recommended this like crying it out method with kids (laughs) i know right? it makes me so sad it's so sick oh gosh it makes me feel sick i know like Like, so to recommend oh if your child is crying and you find they're crying a lot just leave them in a room alone and don't don't tend to their their cries and eventually they'll stop doing it and like if you think about it what that is teaching that child is oh no matter how much i express myself if Mm -hmm. i'm in pain no one will come and help me so Mm -hmm. i might as well just not express it at all and you that creates people who are very avoidant and have trouble you know expressing their emotions so like we think oh when they're a baby it doesn't matter it's like no these things are formative and it does Mm -hmm. matter and it and it literally that having that experience as a baby could mean that mm-hmm. you struggle in a relationship when you're 30 when you're married you know like you're still gonna have Gosh. these like avoidant tendencies and yeah. it's like yeah wow like honestly the long-term effect of just you know and what reason was it that they were saying that i need to look back into that because i've heard about that study too and it's like what i'm sorry just what like how how and I remember um, in my child development, like courses way back in college, when I was trying to get my diploma for early childhood education, they were showing video footage of some of these studies. And in one, like the mother would be engaging with the infant child and like, oh, talking to them and, you know, engaging them in play with a little ball. And, I, you know, the child would be smiling and laughing and responding and imitating her facial expressions and her intonation of her voice and it's babbling and then literally the same mom would come back again to the same child and her face would be blank her eyes would be dead she'd be just staring at the baby and the baby would be like trying to initiate some kind of response from her whether it be verbally or non-verbally and she just remained dead 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 like looked hardcore just staring into that baby's soul and i don't know how that woman did it like with her, like the lady that volunteered to do it with her child like because i would never like be able to do it with like anybody else's kid i take care for or whoever like 
oh my goodness it was just it was so sad because instantly the reaction on the child with having no interaction from that parent that caregiver was they they were crying they were in distress they were uncomfortable and they couldn't get out of it because they were in a chair they're immobile and they have nowhere to go they have no one to help them they're very very dependent on their outside resources to be able to flourish yeah yeah i've actually i've seen that same study like i saw the video and everything of it and it is i can't even imagine how hard it would be yeah and that's another myth that like a lot of people have that i i mean that i don't believe in is that um (laughs) if you like tend to your child too much or you respond to them when they cry or oh yeah. you know like keep them close that it will spoil them and it will create a person mm-hmm. who is like codependent when it's mm-hmm. actually the opposite like mm-hmm. the more that you tend to them the more they they realize oh i actually have a secure bond here so now i can venture out and i can do things on my own mm-hmm. because i know i have a safe base to come back to it's exactly. kind of counterintuitive but then mm-hmm. it's like it makes sense at the same time, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, like in my practice with the children, so I've recently had about four or five children. Um, it's been a year that I've had them, right? So they've turned two and a half. And when they turn two and a half, they can go to the junior CASA class upstairs for children two and a half to four years old. And that transition from me being their primary caregiver to suddenly this new class of new CASA kids, new teachers is very overwhelming for them. So what often happens is they go through a period of, you know, two weeks to a month of transition where when they're in their new classroom, they just cry, they're in distress and it really affects them emotionally and socially because they start back to where they were first when they came to me and they're starting to build rapport with these new teachers and caregivers around them. And my goodness, like seeing that I am now that new safe base that they want to go back to because the new teachers will always come to me and say like, okay, we need to talk about the new student that was your student and is now mine. What are their likes? What are their dislikes? What are their triggers? Because I need to get to know them. I need to now become that new safe person for them that you were for them. And it's like, and I'll talk to their parents too about it because their parents want to know what's happening. And it's like, you see the evolution of these different safe people and how that was their parent when they came to me. And then it's me now when, you know, their parent leaves them with me. And then now it's this new teacher and it's me. And seeing that it's all connected, the family, the child, the caregivers, everything evolves and it's a continuous cycle, just like the seasons of, oh, it's September again, you know, school's rolling back again, you know, it's it's ongoing. and. It's really powerful, but it's also very, very poignant to see that, you know, everybody has as much importance to the child at the center of all at the end of the day. All those small daily interactions, you know, that we take for granted, they can have a bigger impact. Yeah, absolutely. And I can imagine that would be tough, too, to, like, have to let go of, you know, certain kids that you've developed, like, a bond with and then... They have to move on, you know? Yeah, it's really rough. Like, I, this is the first time I've really gone through it to this extent because before when I was working in places, I didn't have as much um, experience behind me as I do now. So I really be just learning as I go and I, you know, have rapport with the children. But now that I'm, you know, leading my own classroom, I've got all my stuff in the class. Like, it feels like it's mine. <clears throat> I've made my stamp on that classroom. When the kids that are my first kids that I've got, it's like when they're gone, I, I, I like, I cry. I literally cry because it's emotional and, um, I've really developed a way to kind of let them go. I make these photo albums individually for each kid and I just, um, give it to their parent, you know, on their last day with me and tell them like, I hope that you keep this and your kid can revisit it when they're older. And it just shows pictures of, you know, them with their friends, pictures um, of them doing activities they loved and give them a little book or something that they always asked to read with me or something that, you know, they related to what they liked. And to me, that's like, okay, finally, 
it's like therapeutic to make it and then give it to them. And then I feel good again. Like I've helped them. They're gone. And I, you know, I won't be talking to their family anymore about their kid because I'm not caring for their kid anymore. But at least they can always maybe reflect and look back at how maybe those instances and those interactions with me helped them. If they do remember any at all, I don't know. But um, it's it's fairly fascinating. On a whole other level, I wonder like, will these kids remember me? Probably not. Will they? If they look at the photos, will they think, oh, that's interesting. My teacher made this for me. Hmm. Interesting. Like, they'll change their perception of, like, hmm. Because maybe they'll have, by that point, encountered some different experiences with education, as everybody does. And maybe they'll that'll alter their perception. I don't know. I really don't know what will happen. But all I know is that it's definitely rewarding to even research into teaching children and understanding children um, because it does, it does let us grow ourselves and understand ourselves better. For sure. Yeah. Like it really does help you understand yourself, mm-hmm. the world, like, yeah. you know, just learning about, you know, these gentle parenting practices or just mm-hmm. like alternative ways um, can even help you like reparent yourself and maybe even understand some things that happened to you that weren't okay that you don't want to repeat, you know, going down the line. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is what was really hard. Like with me being a nanny was, I also mm-hmm. wondered that like, Oh, will they remember me? Yeah. And that's the reason why I didn't like become a nanny again. Like after that family mm-hmm. moved away, I just was mm-hmm. like, it's so hard because you develop such a bond because it's mm-hmm. really just you and those kids. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, it's hard to like repeat that. Mm-hmm. But I was just, you know, what I landed on was like, even if they don't remember me mm-hmm. or like they don't remember like these moments that they had with you, Mm-hmm. that we're like there's still an impact is left by mm-hmm. being an mm-hmm. example of someone who is empathetic and who is trying their best and who just is like a good person and I feel like that will stay in their body you know yeah. <laughs> even if they don't necessarily remember exact yeah. memories and I think that's the really powerful part so you know there you really are making a difference mm-hmm even if it's like kind of more of an abstract one, but Mm, I think mm -hmm. so for sure. Wow. Thank you. Oh my goodness. Wow. I just feel so uplifted (laughs) reflecting about all that, you know, like understanding not only just children, ourselves, how we relate to them, our perception, understanding how to help them, but just society in general. That's so really incredibly uplifting. Thank you. Oh, yeah. No. And yeah, thank you for like sharing all of this. And honestly, I feel like if I was if I was a one or two year old, I'd love for you to be my my Montessori teacher. <laughs> <laughs> you sound really fun, but also like, you know, very empathetic. And I know you're like even continuing education to like, make sure that these little humans get the best care possible. And like, you really care. And, and that's like, what's important, you know? Yeah, thank you so much for saying that. That really means a lot coming from you. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I guess this seems like a good note to end on, but <laughs> wow, yeah, that really like I I don't know that that your podcast is so cool because I again like I was like how is this gonna go you know like I'm trying to read notes prepare myself and that was really beautiful like the organic way it all flows. It's really cool. I can't wait to listen. Right? It always works itself out. It always just comes, you know, full circle. And I feel like the thing is when you listen back to you even see, oh, wow, I like spoke way more eloquently than I thought I was in the moment. (laughs) So I'm sure you'll listen back and you'll be uh, surprised. (laughs) Wow. Okay. I hope so. Because I have a hard time listening to my own voice. I think my voice sounds kind of weird. I don't know. Yes. I don't know. But no, I, you're right. I should keep an open mind and probably sounds more eloquent. <laughs> I get that. Like I, I, I used to think that too. And I think it was just, again, just exposure therapy where now I listen back and I'm like, 
well, this is kind of soothing. Like, I'll, like, do my chores while I'm listening to myself talk, which is kind of funny. <laughs> kind of soothing. Oh, my gosh. I listen to your podcast to fall asleep. That's how soothing oh, your is. <laughs> I love hearing that. That's so awesome. Yeah. They're really good. Like, just on repeat and I just fall asleep. It's just, it's so calm. And the first thing I thought when I heard your voice was, wow, she sounds so professional. Like, you have that professional intonation and tone that is hard to find you know like some people got it some people don't got it you got it <laughs> oh well that's so sweet yeah honestly you too like I feel like you speak very like eloquently about everything oh thank so. you so much yeah. thank you yeah oh. well it was great like you know reconnecting with you like I honestly feel like we could even do more episodes about like there was yeah. things that I'm like, well, we touched on and we could have like talked about that for a whole episode. Yeah, yeah, but... <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Let's definitely yeah. do that. Absolutely. Well, well have a great rest of your day. Yeah, you too. I'm going to try and go outside. The sun's still up. It seems like it's not setting anytime soon. So I'm going to get out there, try and get a little uh, fresh air. And I hope you also enjoy the rest of your day too. Perfect. Yes, I will and feel better soon. Thank you. Okay. Bye. All right. Bye. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for this opportunity. (laughs) Oh, you're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye. And that's our show. As always, thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to listen to me. I always appreciate it. I hope that you enjoyed listening to this conversation as much as I enjoyed having it. Before I go, I need to thank the people who make this podcast all possible. My patrons. Patreon is a place that you can support me and the podcast by giving a monthly pledge and in return getting perks like secret episodes, exclusive content, and even a handwritten letter. First off, a very special shout out to my Sunflower patrons. That is Branwyn, Patty, and my lovely mom and dad. We have my Fern patron, Gar, and my Sprout patron, Dolphin. Thank you all so, so much for supporting me. It means the world, and I couldn't do it without you. If you want to become a patron today, make sure you check out the show notes of this episode. I'll have it linked there. Or you can head to my Instagram at Sunny Paxton and click the link in my bio to join up there. Hope to see you there. Bye.